When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating, thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion, such as a gay bestie. Welcome to another new bonus episode of How Bitches Are Made. I am your host, Rachel Melvin. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm not really going to do much of an intro here. I'm just going to start right off the bat by reading you this week's little story. Um, This one is called Stewing. It's also called Silence. Uh, To be honest with you guys, at the start of this, as I'm recording right now, I haven't decided on the title. So uh, I'm going to surprise myself when I release this. This is either called Silence or Stewing, but it's about the same thing. So uh, without further ado, here is a story. I've never been good at keeping my mouth shut, but as I've gotten older, I've learned the value of swallowing my words. Oddly enough, it doesn't seem to do anything to suppress my appetite. In fact, I feel the hunger pains magnifying to a point that's almost impossible to bear. The desire to speak my truth when injustices are being served, pushed at bay by the wiser part of myself that knows it will be more fulfilling to wait until the timing is just right. There's so much I've been wanting to share of myself with the world for years, and whether it be by my own former insecurity or the threat of censorship and persecution forcing me to sit on all the energy I've cultivated for my ultimate success, I know I have to wait. I sit here in the wings, watching my peers allowed to display their accomplishments, share their talents, voice their opinions that are more popular, albeit far less revolutionary and groundbreaking than mine, and that hunger pain grows. Larger now, because I know I possess power to make a difference, to contribute to the world what I have to offer, that can genuinely make it better, as I watch it growing worse by the second. Still, I know the timing is not right for someone of my stature. The clock is counting down. It's been running for four years. And every time I think the buzzer will go off, another speed bump forces me to slow down. I watch everyone else in their cars cruise by, waving with beaming smiles as if they're in a parade I have to wait for to pass. Marriages, babies, promotions, the results of projects they've been working on, vacations a lot of them didn't earn but rather were handed. When will I get to shout from the rooftops? When will I be able to tell the story of how true, hard, back-breaking, soul-crushing work pays off? I'm sick of watching wealth displayed as things we're supposed to strive for. They're fabricated stories and images, often passed down like an old t-shirt that was never fully worn. We don't see the work that goes into things because the work itself has now become the illusion. We grow depressed from things we'll never have despite never even trying for them. 
or we work ourselves into the ground, only to want to bury our bodies in the holes our heels dug, because we're too tired to see things through enough to know with certainty that hard work is ultimately rewarded. I'm being held back, and for what? I'm just not sure. I don't know when the fireworks show will be or when I'll go off, but I know that soon enough, I will. A person like me is not made to sit and wait. And neither are you. Another pearl of wisdom that my therapist bestowed upon me was the power of the pause. So this piece is really about feeling stuck and like you're waiting for a green light. And I'm somebody, as I mentioned last week, that really my faults lie in strategy and patience. (laughs) I'm an Aries rising, which if you are into astrology at all, you know exactly what that means. It basically means go is my mantra. I don't know how to sit still. Couple that with the fact that I have ADD, but I I don't know how to sit still. I don't know how to do nothing. I don't know how to wait. I have no patience. And at this point in my life, everything, including my astrology report for that matter, says that this first quarter of the year, I'm just supposed to be resting. Whenever I hear the word rest or wait or day off, it just gives me anxiety because I don't I don't know how to work with that. Um, it's like a foreign language to me. I can't do nothing. And I have to say that this point in my life with everything that I'm going through and all these restrictions and speed bumps I'm referring to, they're challenging me. It's, it's the biggest challenge of my life, in fact, I would even say, steadying myself. And I keep thinking back to what my therapist said about the power of the pause. And what she meant by that was there's a lot to be learned. There's a lot to be taken away from being still. And I have to say that what I'm going through, I'm forced to be still. That's part of the reason I, I have the anxiety I talked about last week. In doing that, in taking this moment to pause... Oh, seems we have an unexpected guest joining us for this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, meet the dove that is on top of my art box, the studio where I record. You might hear some scampering and scurrying about as well. That's springtime here in the desert. We have some rabbits that underneath this um, container, which is where I'm recording, um, they've had a litter of bunnies, so you might hear them scampering around too, but it's my favorite place to record, so hopefully you don't mind. Anyway. So I've, I've been witnessing the power of the pause in this moment where I'm forced to do nothing, where I'm forced to be restricted. And I am taking away a lot. And I'll get to that in a minute. But first, I, I kind of still want to address the struggle that I'm going through and having to sit still. So in this piece, I reference something that I even mentioned last week, which is being comparative. I sit there and I watch the parade go by. I said I, I watch these acquaintances or friends, what have you, in my life, getting married, having babies, displaying their accomplishments, you know, posting befores and afters of projects they've been working on. And and it pains me. As much as I'm happy for them, I just am jealous. I'll just say it. I'm jealous because I don't feel like I'm able to do that same thing. And it's been four years of not being able to show the fruits of my labor not being able to show them off. There's a lot I'm working on. And it gets very frustrating for me to kind of promote those things, which now 
in hindsight looks like teasing those things because just when I think I'm I'm about to, you know, gain the traction to just spill it and I announce like, hey, this is what we're working on and I start showing things, some speed bump comes up that makes me not retract it, but have to put it on the back burner and I have to lay off of that for a minute. And last week I mentioned it's because I'm protecting myself until certain roadblocks are officially behind me. I don't want to put the cart before the horse and ultimately jeopardize everything. A lot of times there's reasons why we're not given the green light. And if we were able to pull the scope out further and further and see the overall picture from like NASA's point of view, we might be able to understand why that is. But in the moment, in our own world, mired in the mess, we can't see it and it just gets to be really frustrating and at times it can feel really unfair. So there's a lot of things that I've been working on that I want to share. There's scripts I've written that I want to shoot. There's photo shoot ideas for a store that I want to launch. There's renovation projects that I want to show off before and afters for. There's all reasons I can't do this yet and believe me, Yet is a very operative and key word. You will be able to see all of these things one day. I just don't know when. And that's really frustrating for me. But here's what I've taken away. So this big issue that I keep referring to that Kevin and I are going through. Let me just put it this way. This one project we've been working on. We keep saying, once this is complete, our lives can begin. It is such a big hurdle that it's a domino effect. Until this one thing is done, nothing else can happen. And we were so close to finishing it and a big roadblock came up that now we have to deal with for the next 6 to 12 months. So therefore, everything else is delayed, which is so annoying. So especially for artistic people like Kevin and I, we're not doing the things we feel we're destined to do. We're doing this one thing that we have to do in order to be the creative artistic types that we are and make the art and content that we want to make. So this thing happened and in my true Aries ADD form, all I want to do is get over the hurdle, fix it as quick as possible so that we can keep this trajectory and timeline going. But what I have since learned is in taking the time to be strategic, moving forward is not actually the answer and it's not in my best interest. And this is one of those times where I have to trust the universe and go with the pace that I'm most uncomfortable with. When I finally reheard my therapist's The Power of the Pause, I started going, okay, that's right. Instead of fighting all these roadblocks, for instance, in order to solve this problem that Kevin and I have, I've had to make a lot of phone calls and people won't return my calls. They won't return my emails. It's taking forever. And so my reaction was like, fuck it. I don't care if people think I'm annoying. I don't care if they think I'm needy. The squeaky wheel gets the oil and motherfuckers, I will let you know this wheel is about to come off the goddamn wagon. So (laughs) I was fully, fully prepared to just start bombarding people with texts and phone calls and emails, even addressing kind of aggressively like, hey, you've been ignoring me and it's not cool and being a little bit passive aggressive about it because as we've discussed throughout the course of this three-year podcast, being a bitch has served me more than being nice and forgiving and patient. However, 
I had my therapist voice come to my head and I thought, that's right. When the universe tells you no, you have to listen and not fight it more. Just like the oven episode. I think that was episode four or five in season one where it was just like I kept trying to overcome this hurdle and I failed to see the universe was protecting me by creating a hurdle in the first place. So I thought, you know what? I'm not going to bombard everybody. I'm going to go on desert time just like everybody else does. And I'm going to mirror what I'm given because that's what the universe is kind of suggesting I do. So instead of getting myself into a tizzy and trying to problem solve, maybe just enjoy the power of the pause and take a minute and see what the silence and the patience reveals. Well, it's been maybe a week or two since I wrote this piece. And so now I can tell you a lot has been revealed by me doing nothing. (laughs) A lot of... um, In not trying to speed the process along, things have come to light that only would have with time. And had I jumped the gun, I may have sacrificed those things, which ultimately might end up serving us the most and making this all have happened for a reason that is ultimately in our very best interest. I guess what I want to pass on to the listeners this week is whenever there are roadblocks, we have to try so hard to trust that they're there to protect us and not to annoy us and make things more difficult. It's it's refusing to accept the roadblocks and trying to overcome those hurdles relentlessly that ends up actually hurting us the most. That's what I've learned and taken away from everything I've been going through so far. That's not to say it's not still challenging, But I think if we can look at it as a challenge rather than a punishment, for instance, perhaps that might serve us better. I know for me, if I'm doing some self-reflection, it's helped me to take things less personally. And I think that that then helps me be less defensive and less angry and anxious and restless and and all these things we've been talking about so far in these bonus episodes. I know sometimes resistance can be super, super frustrating and it can feel really unfair. But again, I think we we just need to sit in the silence and find the power of the pause and enjoy the power of the pause and wait for the power of the pause. But it really always does boil down to this trust thing where we have to trust. We have to trust in a greater power than us, in a bigger picture, in a wider scope. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We have to trust the universe that it's going to take care of us. That's not to say just sit there and do nothing. We need to find, of course, a balance just like everything in life. But I I think we need to enjoy taking a beat and not see it as a threat as much as we should be seeing it as a blessing perhaps. Another thing that I really wanted to address with this piece is the concept of hard work. So I'm one of those people that 
I guess you would describe as notoriously taking the more difficult or challenging path. If I'm being fair and honest, 50% of that is out of my own volition. I enjoy working hard. It makes the reward feel that much better knowing that I earned it fully. It's no secret that the business I'm in is rife with people that come from money and favoritism and nepotism in some way. There are a lot of stories about people, you know, that slept in their cars. Jim Carrey is one of them who made it despite overwhelming odds. But I still feel like those stories are very far and few between. And we don't hear enough about people's struggle to know that it's normal. Especially now. Everything just seems like overnight successes. And therefore, if we don't feel like an overnight success, we feel like a failure. And not just that, we've also disassociated ourselves with hard work. Arguably even work itself. There's so much entitlement now, myself included. I mean, think back to the 1930s and where we are now. There's nobody in present day America that can say they're not entitled in some way, shape or form. We have it the best we've ever had as a society, truly. And that's wonderful and great. But like I said, it disassociates us with true hard work. It's lost its meaning. It's lost. That's lost its value. And I think I'm such a crusader for hard work. I want people to do better. Like, like, let's take this for instance. Wouldn't you rather have something made in America in the 1930s versus made from China now? The quality was just so much better. People cared about the work that they were doing. There was pride that went into what you did, what you created, what you produced. There is still that today. I'm not saying there's not, but there's not as much of it. Sorry, there isn't. And I really long for that, not just for myself, but for the entire world, because it just makes for a more quality-oriented world, (laughs) quality people, quality products, quality life, quality living. And I just feel like the world has become so cheapened by this entitlement that we have. And that's not to say that, you know, we need struggle in order to create quality. We don't. But it, but it fucking helps. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, and speaking of balances, I think that's like something else I'm really challenging myself to do is not work so hard and not work myself up so much because people and myself might not be working as hard as I'd like. There's a healthy balance. I think people that don't hold value or pride in what they do can certainly do more and people like myself can stand not to work themselves into the ground as much to prove a point you know I really love Chip and Joanna Gaines and we recently were very lucky to be able to tour their very first office at the silos and they had all these great mantras written on the walls and they said like we do good work that matters And there was something about failing, like it's not how you fail, it's how you move forward from that failure. And those were two things that really stuck with me because, well, 
obviously just because I felt connected to like-minded individuals who believed in the power of good quality work. And also it made me feel good to know that there were people doing good quality work and trying to perpetuate that and cultivate that through the people that they employ. Which by the way, if you've not been there, I think the coolest part about going is knowing that every employee there genuinely enjoys their job like they're so happy and not a fake happy like an actual happy like they are grateful to be working for that company I mean I would be too but anyway but those two messages really stuck with me because I want to create quality work but what I don't do is I don't fail well I don't and that's something that I can work on and I guess the way I feel I fail terribly is I let it defeat me before I pick myself back up by my bootstraps. I go through this kind of downward spiral that I'm sure a lot of people do, which is life is so unfair for me. Everybody else has it so much easier. Well, what did we talk about last week? We know that that's not true because we literally don't know what other people are going through. These are just like narratives and stories we tell ourselves because in that moment, we're victimizing ourselves. And as I stated last episode, like that's part of my my process of working it out. It's not something that I publicly display because that would be wrong and unhealthy. But I, I do recognize that that's kind of my process of like getting, you know, back up on my feet and re-motivating myself. The key is remotivating yourself and learning from your failures because the truth is, oh no, I'm sorry. Ah, oh, yes, I knew there was a third one. There was a third one that they say that a lot of people say, work hard, not smart. <laughs> well, that was a Freudian slip if I ever made one. Work smart, not hard. <laughs> that's the phrase. And that's the one that really penetrates me for literally that Freudian slip I just said. I feel like what I have learned, the biggest takeaway from my life is that I work hard, not smart. And what I'm really trying to do now is work smart, not hard. And the first time I heard that phrase was from Chip Gaines. And that comes to me through the power of the pause. That pause is what is allotting me the opportunity to get smart enough to work efficiently and not strain myself and run myself into the ground so much. Okay, I guess the last thing that I want to say and comment on with reference to this piece is twofold. It's about silence. So sometimes when it feels like we're being silenced, it's it's still a timing thing. It's not because the world doesn't care about what we have to say or what we have to say isn't important. It's just because it's not our time. I say, you know, people tell me that someone of my stature shouldn't be saying the things that I want to say. I get what they mean by that. And it kind of feels like a slap in the face. But ultimately what they're saying is like, don't be reckless. Because you have you have more to lose than somebody that's already gained it all and has power, so to speak, where they're not going to lose much of it if they say things that people don't like. That's just part of growing up and having strategy. The second part is about timing. So one of the things that I have found myself doing in this period of stewing and silence is prioritizing things that usually for me fall by the wayside. I make reference in this piece to people taking vacations. I've said this before. I did not come from money. I did not grow up with money. 
Um, my family was very much a unit that all contributed to get the things that we needed to get. And um, my parents have never been on a vacation since I've been alive. And I went to Europe for the first time. This goes back to entitlement. <laughs> I went to Europe for the first time when I was maybe 30 which for some people, they've still never been to Europe. But for people in my world, they're like going to Europe in college. So for me, that felt very late. I know for some people that are older than me that have never been like my parents, like that seems very early. It's all relative. But my point is, why did it, why did it truly take me till 30? Let's evaluate this. I was on a soap opera when I was very young. I had definitely had the money to afford to travel. I spent it on shoes. Stupid. Listen, I love my shoes. I'm wearing some now. They make me feel great. But it's not like I'm wearing them all day every day to where that money was worth it. Right? I, looking back, would have preferred to spend that money on traveling. Getting experiences, seeing the world, feeling like I was really taking advantage of living the life I was given. Which is just life. I'm not saying the specific life I was given. I'm saying the life I was given, the breath I'm being able to take, being fortunate enough to be on this planet. I want to utilize this planet. I want to see it all while I'm here. We're here for a very short time. But when I was younger, I was like, no, I need these designer outfits because when I'm at this premiere, I need these things. When I'm going to this audition, I need that. I always lived my life looking to achieve something that work would pay off. I never looked at living life. So one of the things that I'm doing now with having this time to where I can't, as I said in the piece, utilize my talents, proclaim from the rooftops, all these things I want to share. If I'm being forced to sit still, let's use these moments to live. Let's go on more hikes. Let's explore the neighborhood. Let's meet our neighbors. Let's maybe take weekend trips to Phoenix or Yosemite or wherever. Let's do things that I wouldn't normally prioritize doing. I'm recording this episode way early because I'm flying to go see my parents tomorrow. They've had a really tough time. And every time I've had a tough time, they've flown down to see me. Didn't matter how inconvenient it was for them. It is a very inconvenient time for me to go see them right now. But I want to return the favor because I want to show them how much it means to me and meant to me for all the times that they did it. Furthermore, when I think back to the last few times I was with my grandma, I was very distracted by work. I didn't take advantage of the time I was sitting across from her at our patio table outside, you know, to ask her questions about her life. I was sitting there trying to put out a fire, not a literal one, but a fire having to do with Airbnb. And I was stressing about it on my computer the whole time. The time before that was the Lorena debacle. So I, I missed that quality time. So in these moments of silence, let's, let's pivot and try to see how we can use them to our benefit, not just to better strategize and get more insight and knowledge about a situation, but also to turn our attention to things that we don't normally prioritize that time and time again in hindsight when we've lost people, we sit there and regret and beat ourselves up for having, you know, not been more in the moment, not wiser, not having taken advantage of that time. 
you know, and then we move on with our lives and we forget and then we don't remember until the next person dies. Those are just some suggestions from my firsthand experience of what I've kind of been working through these last couple of weeks with regard to silence and stewing. If you'd like to share any lessons that you've learned through your own experience, please do. And um, that's it. That's all I have for this week. Next week, I will be back with another bonus episode and we will talk more about something else that hopefully you can relate to. And hopefully these episodes are helping you. If they are, please let me know because my Instagram is up and working and I would really like to know if I'm making a difference. I really try to make this podcast because... Look, if there's if there's one thing that I can do to impact people, it's to tell them this. People usually do what they need. So if someone is very touchy-feely, for instance, it's because they need to be touched and felt. <laughs> I'm doing this podcast because I want to connect with people. And I'm doing it under the guise, which is not really like so much a guise, but I'm doing it under the guise of wanting people to feel heard and seen and connected. So as I just said, it's because I want to feel seen and heard and connected. <laughs> so so please reach out. Please be a part of these conversations. Please contribute in any way you feel so inclined. And please share this podcast if it's helping you, if you find it entertaining, if you find it relevant, what have you. Please share it with other people. Like, subscribe, all that jazz. Um, consistency is key. Stay bitchy, my friends, and we'll see you next week. How Bitches Are Made is written and produced by Rachel Melvin. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.